But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? Amen. Praise the Lord, huh? Praise the Lord. Welcome to the church. Thank you for, yeah, we got, right here, we got excitement. Where you at? Praise the Lord, amen? <laughs> Man, you guys wore, you weathered the, like, like the cold weather, all right? And you not only outside, but in here, right? Because it's pretty darn cold in here for some of y'all. I don't know, I have to ask people if it's cold, all right? Uh, but but that, that, that's, a, that's an important question. That we just heard. Like, like when you, when you, you know, and I was going to challenge you guys this morning. Like, how many of you woke up this morning thinking about that question? Right? How, how many of you, you know, think about that question every day? Like, what is the answer to that question that she just asked? How many of you totally forgot the question? All right? It's right here. If David calls the Christ Lord, then how is he the son of David? This is a big question. Right? I mean, when you think about it, right, you know, out of all the conversations that we could have had, all right, from Jesus and all the different things that he talked about in the scriptures, God thought it was important that we have this question right here. How come? Why? Why that question? I mean, even, even the apostle ends, the apostle John ends his gospel, the gospel of John, all right, with, with, with these words, he says, and he says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself couldn't contain the books that it would be written. Out of all those things, man, out of all those conversations and maybe other questions that we don't have recorded, all right, you know, God thought it was important for us to hear this one. And not only hear this one, but to, to ask it. And not only ask it, but to understand it and answer it. How come? Why? Why? Because you need to know who you worship. You need to know who you worship. I'm going to tell you this. I told you before. The most important decision that you can make in life, either by commission or omission, is who you worship. And what I mean by commission or omission, all right? In other words, the, the most important decision you can commit to and say, I'm making this decision, all right, in life is who you worship. Or by omission, what do I mean by that? You know, sometimes we just say, I ain't worshiping, you know, that. But we end up, you know, doing something else just by omission you know, the truth. The most important decision you're ever going to make, man, in life is who you worship. And I will tell you right now, that's one choice you will forever belong to. You'll, you'll, you'll forever belong to that choice. The choice that you make, all right, and who or what you worship. So, so this is why I believe God puts this question here for us because it's an extremely important question for us to, to consider. Right? You know, we, we, we talk about worship. We come here, we sing the songs, we pray. Maybe you, at home you're praying, maybe you're reading, maybe you're not. I don't know, man, but, but I know this. You know what? You, you're worshiping someone. And if you're claiming Christ, do you even know who Christ is? And I think many of us do. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence or your, or your relationship with God, but I am trying to challenge it. And I think it's important that we do all the time. 
And so I want us to, to check out, you know, what was taking place. The scripture that Mallory just read for us is our scripture for today out of Luke chapter 20. But before we get into that conversation, all right, before we move into the conversation that's actually taking place in that scripture between Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees and all these cats, all right, I want us to, I want us to take a look at a few highlights of what they claim to know about this Christ, this, this Messiah what they, what, they, what they claim to know about God's coming Savior. This is their, 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 their educated background. That some, I, don't, I can't exhaust it. We'd be here, you know, and I don't mind. We'll be here till you know, I don't know, next Christmas talking about that, but I'm cool. But I'm just going to give us some highlights of what they considered, like, who is this Christ? And stuff like that. And so, so just, so, so, and, and, and then again, with this idea of the son of David. All right, so, so pray with me before we begin into this. Father, we just praise you. And we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the snow that's coming, Lord God. We pray, Lord, for continued safety over your family, Lord God, when they go home and those that are coming next. But Lord, right now, most importantly, Lord God, your word. Help us to be underneath your word. And it's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So on this, on this topic, how, you know, like I asked you just a little bit ago, you know, if David calls the Christ Lord, and some of you are thinking, I don't even know if this is an important question to me today. I was kind of hoping for something else. Stick around, tune in, lean in, drink your coffee, because scripture's going to be flying everywhere, all right? It just is. We're all, all over the place right now, all right? But, but we're in this main, like last week, we were talking about the resurrection. Today, we're just talking about the Christ. What does this mean? And this, why is it important? The David thing important? Why is, you know, who is, what, what is all this about? And so, like I said, before we get into the conversation that they're having, let's take a look at some of their, you know, educated background. And so, you know, back in the day, back in uh, maybe a thousand years before this, all right, uh, God was speaking to David through the prophet Nathan. And he told David in, in you know, the King David, who was king of Israel, king of Israel, the best king that ever lived on the planet, period, hands down in, of any nation, was King David. A man after God's own heart. A beautiful man who loved the Lord, all right, and loved God's people. And his job, he knew his job, to know the Lord and to make God known and to lead others to do the same. He knew his job and he led his people well. Had a lot of problems, absolutely. He's human, just like the rest of us. We, we fail, but God told him, he told David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up offspring after you, whom shall come from your body. Now I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he says, he'll build a house for my name and I will establish his throne or his kingdom, uh, the throne of his kingdom forever. Say forever, please. Forever. forever. That's a big deal. And what's crazy is God kept that promise out front. He didn't just say it to that one thousand, you know, now it's 3,000 years ago to this one guy. Hey, we just got this between you. You know, this is how it's going to go. No, this was a worldwide effort. It was a worldwide thing. And he said, 
You know, he, he kept it out front. There's a cat named Ethan, which is a cool name, but Ethan the Ezraite, Ezraite, all right? And he was speaking in Psalms 89. He kept it out front. He was telling God, Psalms 89, verse three, Lord, he basically was talking to the Lord, said, you have said I made a covenant with my chosen one. I sworn to David, my servant, verse four, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations, Selah. Anybody know what a Selah is? I mean, just, will you just breathe for a minute? Breathe, man. Right now you're saying, dude, you need a Selah. Right? I know. Right? It's, 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 when you read that through the Psalms, he's saying, look, there was something important he just said right there. And you need to pause a minute and let that, and go back and look at that. I will establish your offspring forever. There's that word again, Forever. And I will build your throne for all generations. In other words, this isn't just for now. Again, this is eternal. This is a big deal. And then 300 years after this, through the prophet Isaiah, he says this. Again, what we're talking about, this is those, the spiritual leaders, quote, quote, unquote, religious leaders of the community that Jesus is having the conversation, asking the question, you know, how can David say, you know, that the, the, the Christ is his Lord when it's one of his kids, all right? And so... He's, he's, this is a little bit of background. What these guys kind of, they were educated. They knew these things about David and about the Christ in this conversation. Isaiah said it like this in uh, Isaiah verse nine. You're familiar with these verses. For, unto, for to us is a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. They are speaking of this Christ, this Messiah that is coming. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. All right, it says of the, of, the, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There's that idea of forever again. On the, on the throne of David, there he is. And over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. See, these guys knew this. They had an idea. We can look at these scriptures and we could see Jesus written all over them. But here is Jesus talking to these guys, all right, with a scripture that we just shared from you that Mallory read, all right? There, there's, there, there, here's Jesus talking to these guys saying, hey, okay, let's put this to the test, fellas. Then in Isaiah 16, 5, he says, then a throne will be established a steadfast, in steadfast love. I love the way this God, our God leads in steadfast love. And on it will sit in faithfulness. I love the words, all right? In the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice and is swift to do righteousness. That's a big deal. And then Isaiah speaks later on in Isaiah 42 of this covering. We're gonna get into this word anointing in a minute, all right? Over, over, over this person. Look at he says in Isaiah 42, one. And these guys, again, they knew these things and they're trying to prove Jesus wrong. He's trying to say, dude, I'm right here in front of you. Verse 42, one. Again, this is like about 700 years before Jesus, 300 years after David said those things. Stay with me. See, right now you're wishing you had more coffee, right? I know it. We should have vendors. Who needs more coffee? This is crazy coming down the halls, right? Anyways, 
Isaiah 42, verse one, behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen. God's saying this. And whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice in the nations. I love the plural there, the nations. All right, when Jesus said, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, the word is ethos, ethnicities, all races. Don't stop. And then he says he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. In other words, he's not going to just kick down doors and say, you need to listen to this gospel. In other words, he says a bruised word, read, he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He's not going to damage the hurting and those who are just, you know, he's going to lift them up. He's going to strengthen them. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Sounds like our recenter, doesn't it? And then he says, he will not grow faint. He will not be discouraged till he has established justice on earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Justice of the cross. The law of love the Lord your God and everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. And he even says later on, love the way I have loved you. Crazy law. You see, these guys, they, they, they knew this. They knew these things, these scriptures. They knew so many more. They were steeped in it, man. They were constantly rewriting and, you know, or copying, not rewriting, but copying and copying over. They knew the word. But I would challenge that they lacked Holy Spirit understanding what God has, made, has given to you today. Holy Spirit understanding. Well, they didn't pursue it. And so I pray today that we don't follow their, their example, but just listen to Christ. So we're in Luke chapter 20. And Luke chapter 20 is a pretty crazy chapter. We've had all kinds of stuff taking place. You know, basically, the religious elite have just been, it's Jesus' last week before the cross. He's in Jerusalem, and a lot of the religious leaders are coming and taking their shots at him. All right? Some came and they challenged his authority. What authority do you do all this stuff? And he challenges them back, and they're like, hold on, we can't even answer that. All right? And then they challenge him with, with authority of, of Caesar, of Rome. Well, what about that? You, you, do you submit to that authority? You know what? Boom, he challenges them right back. They couldn't answer to that. Finally, last week, we talked about how he challenged, that they came and challenged the resurrection. The most important thing to our faith is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they tried to challenge that. And they couldn't do it. And now, and now Jesus comes and he asks a question. Let me ask you a question now. Jesus kind of steps into the arena and just says, let me ask you something. And now I've added, you know, in our Luke text, I've added some of, uh, of, of what Matthew, you know, basically of, of Matthew, I've combined Matthew's gospel, all right, of the same account with Luke just to give us a little more color for the conversation. You know, you know we know that the Gospels, at least uh, the Synoptic Gospels, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are kind of all just kind of like the same, and they have some of their own stories. John has kind of got another whole thing going, but they're all in agreement. 
And so Matthew has a different account, but, not this, but it's the same, actually, but a different way of, of telling it, of what just took place in that conversation Mallory just read. And, and so I want to use that. Again, Father, we just praise you and we just thank you. Guide us, Lord, in your word, in Jesus' name. Guide us, amen. So I'll begin with Matthew 22, and then we'll be jumping in and out of Luke, 9, or Luke, uh, Luke 20. All right, and so in Matthew twenty two forty one, I'll put them up on the screen. If you're still, if you're in Luke, just go ahead and stay there because we'll be going in and out of there. Now it says, at the same time in that conversation, they came. They came at him with all those questions. It's all in the same day. He's at the temple. There's a bunch of people around. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, they Jesus asked them a question. And we got to remember why these guys were gathered together. All right. Earlier, we read in Luke chapter 19 that he was teaching daily in the temple and the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men on the, of the people were seeking to destroy him. They basically were gathering together to look for a reason to take him down. Right? And so many people today, you, you know this, so many people today, man, are, are constantly still trying to just prove Jesus wrong. Well, guess what? They've been doing that for 2,000 years. And still, no luck. We talked about it last week. No luck. All right? They're trying to dig Jesus a grave constantly, and that's one grave where the body just ain't going to show up anymore. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's, that's, that's why they're gathered together. Now Jesus is going to lead them, all right, by asking them a really important question. Now I want you to take a look at the difference in his questioning. The way Jesus approaches with questions, even those who want to destroy him, his, his, his questioning is not demeaning. It's foundational. Big difference the way than, than the way that they were coming at him. His questioning is not condemning. It's actually helpful in, in understanding. Way different in the way that they were kind of come at him. They were, you know, his, question, his question is not accusatory. It's actually filled with grace and truth. See, they came at him demeaning, to demean him, to condemn him, to accuse him. And Jesus came at him with foundation, understanding, grace, and truth. You can always tell the difference in a, in a conversation somebody wants to engage with you about spiritual things and about God and about Jesus. You know, when, they, when, they, when they're coming at you, you know, demeaning, condemning, accusatory, recognize that's probably, you know, just step back. I don't, I don't engage in those kind of fights. I just don't. I ain't got time for that. I just really don't, man. But if you want to talk about foundation, you want to talk, you know, with, with, with a, uh, the, um, an honest critic, you know, uh, point of view, oh, no problem. I love that. But if you're just trying to one-up me with your religious conversations, even Christians sometimes will try to do that, to try to one-up you. Uh, you know, if you find yourself doing that in a conversation, ask yourself in the middle of the conversation, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Seriously, try that. And verse 42 of Matthew, all right, you know, he says, uh, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they answered him. They said, he's the son of David. All right, again, we're in this conversation, but there's so much going on here that I think we still need to clarify. And beginning right now, like some of us still... I think are, are, are challenged by what is the Messiah, what is Christ, you know, and, 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 and we, when we have to realize that, that the Messiah, the word Messiah, the, the title Messiah and the title Christ literally mean the same thing. 
Or they, they mean the exact same thing. There's just two different languages, and we put it in an English context so we can kind of understand things better. All right, Messiah is from the Hebrew word Messiah, all right, and it means anointed. Christ is from the, from the Greek word Christos, and it means anointed one. All right, so, so we're really, when we're looking at this, the name Jesus Christ is the same as Jesus the Messiah. Okay, can we clear that up? Just real helpful there, hopefully. All right, but then we have to ask this question, well, what does it mean to be the anointed one? What does that mean? You see, in biblical times, all right, you know, back in the day, anointing someone, and still, you know, today, uh, but anointing someone with, with oil was a sign of God consecrating them or setting them apart, that person, for a particular role. And you see this all over the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you see people were anointed by other per- people for, uh, you know, for positions of prophet, of priest, or, or kings. All right, you see in the Old Testament, Elisha, I mean Elijah, you know, God tells him to anoint Elisha and prepare him to be the prophet of the people of Israel. You see that Aaron, back in the Old Testament, was anointed as the first priest for Israel. Right, you see that God has, had called Samuel to go and anoint Saul and then David as the first kings of Israel. You see this, there, there was a purpose behind this. And all of these men held anointed, quote unquote, uh, positions. But you see then that the Old Testament predicted, predicted, and this is huge for us to consider. We, we, we also use the, the word prophesied but predicted a coming deliverer chosen by God. We just read all that and anointed by God himself to redeem Israel and the world from their greatest enemy, our sin. If you look in Isaiah 61, you see this, again, 700 years, 600, I lost time now, before Christ, I think it was 700 years before Christ, he speaks of the Christ. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of prison to those who are bound. Verse two. To proclaim the favorable year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Does that, those, those words sound familiar? They should, because we, in our study of Luke, we had a, you know, uh, one day we, we actually opened that scripture in Luke chapter four where Jesus actually began his ministry that way. Jesus, after being baptized and going in the desert and being, uh, you know, tempted, all right, came into the public arena, and one of the first places he went was his hometown, Nazareth. He rolled into that town, went into the synagogue, the local place of worship, where everybody was gathered, all right, and he came as a guest speaker, and they were like, oh, look, it's Jesus. We remember him when he was running around. Remember him? And now here he is, grown up. He's going to read scripture, and here's what, he read that exact scripture, And people, I'm sure, were comforted by those words. But then he said something crazy. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus saying, I'm that guy. I'm the guy. 
You know, the guy that you've been talking about and waiting for, the Christ, the anointed, David's son, the chosen one of God, the established kingdom forever. That's me. I'm the guy. And you know how they responded? Let's kill him. All right? And they took him to, you know, they, they took him to go just out, out, outside to kill him, man. Today, baby, is more of a Bible study than it is a message. So I need you to just, just to dig in with us here. Hopefully, you're writing a lot of these scriptures down because it's an important question. You know, this question about David. And here he is. He asked the question, Luke 20, 41. But he said to them, how can they say that the Christ is, is David's son? He asked them to consider that, you know, you guys might not know everything that you think you know. And you may have something still to learn. You're the religious teachers, right, of Israel. You're all these, you know, you wear those really long robes. And you look really cool, man. And you say these really long prayers and stuff like that. And you look down at people because you know that, you know, maybe they're not following the way you think you're following. And you think you got their scriptures wrapped up, man, but nobody does. Nobody does. Yeah, and I want to ask you a question, man. How teachable are you today? How teachable are you today? How, you know, there, there's a lot of interests we have, right? I'm going to make some minestrone soup this afternoon, and I have a, a recipe that I'm very interested in learning how to do it right. I think it's important. We all always, how, how teachable are you today when it comes to these things of God? I will challenge you to this right here, and I'll put this up there. The, 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 you know, the day that you stop learning is the day that, that you stop leading. You understand that? The day that you stop learning, you decide not to learn anymore. I've learned it all, man, is the day that you stop leading. You say, I'm not much of a leader. Think about it like this, because the day that you stop leading is the day that you stop caring. Right? The day that you stop leading, that's the day that you stop caring. And the day that you stop caring, you just might be a sign to you that it's the day that you just, maybe you stop loving. Because, because we love, we care. Because we care, we, 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 we lead. And because we lead, we need to learn. How many of you had your first baby and said, I got this? <laughs> All right? And that kid's like 21, you're like, I ain't got this. Right? You see, Jesus is shifting their view of reality right now. He's moving them to the edge of their understanding that they think they got everything down. And this is such an amazing place for you and I to be with the Lord. We can never claim total knowledge of God. We can never claim total, nobody can do that, man. Only Jesus, because well, he's God. We can never claim total knowledge of God, but we can be sure that we're standing in the right foundation. We can never claim total knowledge of God. We never got to wrap that, but we can totally be sure that we're standing on the right foundation. I would challenge you, never stop asking questions. Never stop pursuing truth. 
<laughs> Knowing the truth, man, it doesn't make you an, an expert, but it does help you spot the lies, don't you know? I love how the FBI, you know, oh, in, their, in, their, in their counterfeit department, you've probably heard this before, in their counterfeit, when they have guys that specialize in, in finding counterfeit, they don't study counterfeit. Give me another one, counterfeit, give me another one. Oh, you got this new counterfeit. They study the real bill. The real $100 bill, the real whatever bill, they study the real bill over and over, get intimately acquainted with that bill, and they understand every dot, every line, every curve, everything on that bill. And therefore, when, they, when, they, when a counterfeit, when they're looking, and they're, oh yeah, that's totally a counterfeit. I don't think they just barely got a glance at it. We may never be experts in this truth of Christ, but we, will, we can be sure of our foundation as we pursue truth, more truth, and more truth. And when a lie comes, man, that's just a lie. Matthew 22, 43, all right, still within the story, weaving Matthew in there with Luke, all right? He said to them, how is it then that the son of David, in the spirit of almighty God, calls him Lord. Jesus challenges them to consider that the Christ must be more than just a special human being. See, only God can purchase salvation for us. Only God can do that job. No man can do it. If Christ, if Christ isn't God, then we're in a lot of trouble. We talked last week about the resurrection and how important that is. Absolutely. But it is equally even utmost important that it was God who had to die for our sins and rise again. No man can do that for us. No man can cut us free, can grant us that kind of freedom in the Lord. No man can deliver us through his perfect death. No angel can do that. Do you know that? No angel, no man, no nothing. It took God himself. Praise God. In Luke chapter 20, uh, he, he, he shares, you know, let me go back to Matthew twenty-two forty-three. 43. He said to them, how is it that, then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, Luke chapter 20, verse 42, for, for David himself says in the book of Psalms, all right, this is Psalm 110, I believe. All right, the Lord said to the Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We look at that, we say that is very poetic, sounds nice. That's something that belongs in church. Let's go ahead and go with that. Maybe we'll write a song. But what does it mean? We have to consider the context. See, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, all right, who in, in, their, in their, their arsenal is King David. He's that guy. And they know about the chosen one coming from, all right, the, the lineage of David, all right? And they're waiting for the Christ to show up. They're trying to spot him. He's right in front of them, and they don't get it. So he challenges them with his identity. And he says, okay, wait a second. This David, all right, that you're all about way back here, all right, and all this lineage that you guys can just number, you can name by memory, all right, he says how, he says, he said this, he says, you guys remember when he said this in Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, King David said, the Lord 
said to my Lord. Who is David referencing as his Lord? Yes, he's referencing, first of all, the word that he uses is Yahweh back in the original uh, Hebrew, Yahweh. In other words, the only God, the only God, there's none higher God, the great I am, all right? He says to my Lord, Adon, all right, basically was the word that was used, meaning my master. Who is the king calling his master? And if it's, you know, he's saying that this is, this is, how could they never consider this? I know this is a lot to take in. Stay with me. Because there is simplicity here. And the question is, do you know who you worship? Do you really know who you're worshiping? Because sometimes we go back with God, man, who is it? All right? And so, so stay with me. Because they're referencing, he's going, okay, remember King David? Yeah, we're all about that. The Messiah, the, the, the anointed one? Yep, we're all about that. How is it that King David says to God, referencing a conversation that God said to my Lord? Hold on to that. Verse 44, he says, thus David calls him Lord. So how is he his son? You know, nobody, no man alive in Jewish culture have ever called their kid Lord, master. Our kids think they are. <laughs> I get it. All right? But never would we say that. So he asked that question. David calls him Lord. How is he his son? What's the answer to that question? Do you think they were like waiting for an answer? They were probably looking at themselves and saying, you got anything? What about you? You got anything? Come on, say something quick. Nothing. They got nothing. And what's crazy, Jesus doesn't answer the question for him right then. But what they don't realize, he already answered half of it and is going to answer it another, the other half in a couple of days from this conversation. First, he answers it by his birth. He became the son of David by his mother's lineage and by his father's household, his stepdad's household, Joseph by the lineage of both his, his, his biological mom and his stepfather, that household was a household in the line of David. And so he already answered the first part. And the second part he answered just a few days later when he rose from the grave. Right? When he got up from, the, from, from his death, his resurrection and his ascension, all right, and his position at God's right hand, all right, interceding for the saints, even now, all right, he reigns as David's Lord, as their Lord, as your Lord, as my Lord, as the ultimate Lord God Almighty, the big old G who loves me, God, amen, amen. amen. The ultimate evidence that Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah, the anointed one, is his resurrection from the dead. Praise the Lord. It says that, look at Matthew, he ends it like this. You know, uh, and no one was able to answer him with the words. Not from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Because he just kept routing them, man. What was sad about that is they wouldn't let God lead them to the truth anymore. 
how many, how many conversations have we just shut down, all right? Because we're not really ready for that truth. We need the whole truth, everything that God is leading us to, personally, collectively. We need it all, amen? John ends his gospel, well, the chapter 20, not his last chapter 21, uh, but in chapter 20, closing out the last parts of his gospel. He says in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, the book of John. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Why is all this important to know? You need to know who you worship. You need to know who you worship. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. The most important decision you can make in life is who you worship. You will forever, say forever, there it is again, belong to that choice. Amen? I don't know why I brought this chair out here. I thought I was going to sit down. We have this word for a reason. We have the word of God for a reason. And it's, it's not so someone else can look at it and tell us what they think it means. This is our responsibility to know the word of God. Do you not recognize how amazingly beautiful the Bible is? The word of God is. Do you not understand how you want to talk about nutrition? All right, you made a, a New Year's Eve or a New Year's resolution to eat better. Eat the word of God. Man, can, you know, let it can be consumed by the word of God. Fall in love with the word of God and see how much God himself loves you. No one else can do this. So what I want you to do, man, I want, you, I want you to do two things, man. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and see life as it was meant to be understood, life in Christ. Your Bible is, is a beautiful word. It's God's word, and he directed it to his church. It's directed to, it's for us. You say, isn't it for the world? Yeah, but it, 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 we're the ones who are hungry. He wrote it to the church, the Bible. He wrote these scriptures to his followers, to his people, to those who would know him better. That's how we do it and make him known. And then we lead others to do the same and we bring them in. Look at this. Are you kidding me? Come here. Check it out. <laughs> So read your Bible. Number two, get into a community group, man. Get involved with a group of other believers and don't try to run the group like you know everything. Approach the group like you need to know more. You need to know more. I don't care how much you know, how much you're an expert in the truth. Approach that the way Jesus approached these questions. And you need to be in a group so you can ask these questions. 
Amen. In the book of Revelation, one of my favorite verses in the scripture, in Revelation chapter 22, one of the last, second to the last thing that Jesus says that we have him recorded saying in the word of God, and he will say it again, and we will hear him say it. Revelations 22, 16 says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. There it is. I am the root, the Lord of David and descendant according to man of David. Did you, you, you see how huge that is? And all I got to say with that, man, and this, this is it, and we got to end right here. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thanks, man. Amen. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Like what Ernie said, um, and it's so true that we need to know who we worship. It's so important, um, especially when we're singing these songs to him, man. It's like, who are you thinking of when you sing these songs, man? We need to know that we know that he is Lord and, and who he is. You ever wonder why, like, the, the Pharisees and the priests, like, how they got it so wrong? You know, these dudes, like, devoted their entire lives to uh, studying scripture and uh, they just completely miss um, God who's right in front of them. And so why don't we ask these questions about ourselves? So I wanna, I wanna add a challenge to, to this, man. When we're reading God's word, and don't just read it, but read it to know the heart of God, to just to be more intimate with him, to truly, to truly know him, amen? So when you read it, just pray, Lord, I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss who you are. Reveal yourself to me through your word. Amen. So we're going to have people on the left and the right of the stage to pray with you if you'd like to uh, some prayer. Uh, we also have a prayer wall in the back corner over here as well that you can write your prayers down and you can put your prayers in the fence. Okay. So if you'll stand with me. Once you know who God is, nothing measures up, man. There's nothing that's better. There's, you cannot even imagine or even begin to imagine how good he is, amen?